0: Welcome to Project Teacher's Lounge, where we talk to educators about their time working during the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Shane T. Watson, and I'll be your host. To the K through 12 educators out there, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for your service as a teacher. Y'all do a lot during a regular school year, and to be doing it during a pandemic, just wow. Y'all have the utmost appreciation, admiration, and respect from me. You are a true superhero for putting in the extra work to help students become the leaders they will be in the future or whatever they decide to become. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Jennifer Trosquare is a seventh grade English language arts teacher in Louisiana. She has graciously decided to sit down and answer some questions today and tell us about her time teaching during the pandemic. So. How have you been?
1: Um, I've been very well. You know, my husband and I have been pretty lucky in the fact that we, you know, haven't been affected by COVID very much. We've managed to stay stay healthy throughout all of it, but it it has thrown some challenges our way in terms of work for both of us and just how we go about our day to day lives. So it definitely has been a challenge.
0: Got you. And let's start with how you got into teaching. Did you always want to be a teacher? What influenced you to become a teacher? Uh, how long have you been teaching?
1: Okay. So I'm currently on my seventh year of teaching and the earliest I can remember wanting to be a teacher. My parents used to always say at elementary school, when you used to fill out the little forms, like what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to always say a teacher, but I would say probably when I was in high school, I had an English and a composition teacher that really inspired me to pursue English. Like she just made reading and writing fun. Like she'd bring in novels that most teachers wouldn't bring in, um, she'd give us writing prompts that were just like thrown at us from like left field. And it just really made you think. And she, she's my inspiration. I want to be just like her.
0: Nice. As we said, teachers have a huge impact on the leaders that, our student, that students become and your English had a huge impact on you. And so how are you teaching this year? Is it virtual? Is it hybrid? Is it in person? Has it switched up? How's that going for you?
1: It is a mix. We have some students who are with us in the classroom. But at the same time, we have students who are virtual and we have to teach both of them at the same time. So I'm looking at kids in the classroom while also looking at kids on the computer at the same time.
0: That just sounds like a lot.
1: That is the biggest challenge of all, because I feel like sometimes there's not enough of me to go around. Like I'm trying to help kids in the room, but then I feel like while I'm helping those kids, there's the kids on the computer that I'm not... I'm not addressing. So it's like I'm being pulled in two different directions.
0: Kind of going off that a little bit, can you take us through a day uh in your life as a teacher? When you get to the school, you're at the parking lot, you open the door to your car, what comes next?
1: So I open the door to my car, I walk in, I've got my mask on, I've got the rest of my gear on. I come into my classroom, just get my technology, my smart board, my computer, all that set up. When the bell rings for the kids to come in, we stand by our doors. We have to take our uh, advisory students' temperatures before they walk into the room. We have to record what their temperatures are. They're all wearing masks. The only time they're allowed to take it off is to eat. Once school starts, we're teaching. We jump right into teaching. So there's some kids in the room. There's some kids on the computer. And then I have three classes for 90 minutes. So it's a mixture of me teaching and helping and troubleshooting technology. We do get one 90-minute block off. So in that block, we could be PLCing, eating lunch, attending virtual parent meetings, conference meetings, team meetings. So we really, from seven o'clock to two thirty, we don't really stop.
0: <laughs> wow. And you said PLCing. PLCing. What exactly is that?
1: That's a professional learning community. So it's myself and two other seventh grade English teachers, and two times a week we get together and we either talk about planning we talk about student data, we look at student work and we pick out trends and we kind of figure out what interventions need to be done just to kind of keep us all on the same track and on the same pace.
0: Got it. And so you're a teacher of English language arts, which includes writing, I imagine. How is it going teaching students how to write in seventh grade on laptops, I imagine? Um, Do they know how to type? Is typing a part of that? Do you think it's easier to teach on a computer or for them to be writing it out by hand?
1: So lucky for us, um, our school is a one-to-one school. So every child has had a Chromebook since I want to say we start them off in third grade. So they're pretty used to typing because of this year, we really haven't been able to do much handwriting stuff because of paper and all that. So the typing is not really an issue um, it's more of us showing them what good writing looks like. So we do a lot of strong models. We show them weak models. We do a lot of um, samples together where we'll create a class sample together. And it's that one-on-one time kind of just with that student looking at what they have, looking at criteria of what's the expectation and having them make adjustments from feedback and um, things like that.
0: Got you. So you say at 2.30, you're done for the day. Are you really done or is that like the kids are gone then you get to do more work?
1: So the kids leave at 2.30. I have tried to make it a habit, especially this year, not to bring so much home with me, but obviously that doesn't always work. So sometimes I will spend maybe 30 minutes to an hour either grading, finishing up my plans for the next day, sometimes possibly making phone calls to parents, making parent contact. Or every now and then I'll have meetings after school that could last anywhere from hour to hour and a half. So it's not always I'm completely done.
0: Gotcha. And you say sometimes you have to make calls to parents. How has parent involvement been since you do have students at home and in the classroom? Uh, what has that parent involvement been? Is it better than before? Is it worse than before? Is it kind of just all over the place?
1: So I would say it's probably it's a lot better than previous years because parents are now they know that they cannot just as easily come to the school and meet with us face to face as they could before. So we rely a lot on phone calls. We rely a lot on emails and some parents have access to computers where we could do Google meets, Zooms, things like that. So I would say it's definitely a lot better. And parents, for the most part, are really good about they can't come to the phone if you leave a voicemail they usually call back within a reasonable time. So I really haven't had any parents this year who I just blatantly haven't heard from or communicated with.
0: Got you. And thinking about just families, I know it's a pandemic, people have lost jobs. Have you experienced students who have gone through hardships during this time? And if so, how has your school provided resources to help those families?
1: So um, no student has told me directly of any hardships, but you always see students who have hardships even without the pandemic like I know during the winter uh, months we're always on the lookout for kids who don't come to school with like warm winter coats or things like that so we're really good about keeping an eye out for those type of kids and letting the administration know and we give them jackets or we give them access to jackets um we also provide like food and snacks for those kids to take home that may not have access to healthy meals at home. So we're generally trained to keep a good eye out for any kids that we feel are in need of anything.
0: Are there any cases where students, teachers, faculty, staff have, I know HIPAA, like they can't tell you people have tested, tested positive for COVID, but have you had those situations where people have been removed from the classroom because of COVID?
1: Yes. So, yeah, you're right. So we can't tell anybody like this person tested positive, but we have had people go on quarantine where they're out for eight to 10 days, and it used to be sometimes 14. In those cases, they have an option. If they're really, really sick, they can take their normal COVID sick days. Some teachers who were just quarantining and not necessarily sick had the option to what we call tele-teach. So they could teach virtually from home, while a couple of other teachers would just rotate in and out of their room just watching the kids while they're teaching virtually from home. So there are options there for teachers to still be able to teach while on quarantine.
0: Do you think enough is being done when there's a positive test? Do you think there should be more quarantining for everybody? The school should shut down. Has it been? Has it gotten to a point that you think it's been like, okay, we might need to take a, another look at how we're responding to this?
1: There was one point where I want to say, shoot, we had maybe five teachers out, and that could have been between quarantining and just just being out in general but we had to cover all of those classes. So we were stretched extremely thin. And that's during our planning periods where we had to give up like 30 to 45 minutes of our time going, sit in someone else's room and watching their kids. So at some points we were like, how much longer can we do this before we say, we just don't have enough faculty to monitor these children. But luckily enough, it never got to the point where we didn't have enough, but it was close. Some days we were all, we were waiting for them to be like, you know, we just, we don't have enough we have to go virtual It's close
0: and do you feel safe in the school
1: i do um our janitors are really really good at cleaning every day um if we tell them like you know there's a kid that's showing like just sickness in general maybe not even necessarily covid really they're really good about coming in cleaning their area providing us with masks providing us with protective equipment Um, our transitions and how that's been different with lunch and things like that. So I think that we're all doing the best that we can with the circumstances that are around us.
0: Janitors, unsung heroes of keeping the the school really clean.
1: Always, always.
0: So important in this time. And how many students do you have per class?
1: In my first block, I have 29. My second and fourth blocks, I have about 25.
0: These are 29 in the room or 29 combined virtual and in the room?
1: I have 28 in the room in my first block, and I would say probably about 22 or 23 in class in my second and fourth block.
0: How are you handling this to have that many students in person, at least one virtual, and then keep your mask up, don't take your mask down? Like, how is that working for you?
1: It's difficult. I'm not going to lie, because especially in my first block, because it's so big, 28 kids in the room, you're constantly worried about, are you socially distanced enough? Is that kid coughing too much? Like, is that kid not feeling well? Am I giving enough attention to this one kid that's on the computer or am I giving too much attention to them? So it has really been kind of like a tag back and forth. It's, it's a lot and it's a lot of kids to look at their work. It's a lot to give feedback to all in one span of one day.
0: And just thinking of like helping students, you're like at the front of the classroom, you're probably supposed to be social distance, socially distance yourself. Are you able to walk around and help students? You're just like from the back, like looking at the back of computer screens, like how can I help you? How does that work for you?
1: We're mostly stay in the front of the room. We are allowed to kind of walk and monitor a little bit, but we can't stay too close to kids for an extended period of time. So luckily our district has provided us Go Guardian, where it allows us to see what's on our kids screens while they're in the room or while they're in our class. So if they're working on a writing, I can look at the computer screen. I can see what they're doing and I can be messaging them feedback at the same time. Or like in some instances, like if they decide to be a little sneaky and try to do something else that's not in like related to my class, I can exit out of the tab that they're on and get them back to what they're supposed to be doing
0: just going back to you managing all these students, do you get any help in your classroom or somebody to help with the online student every once in a while, or it just always just you?
1: So in my first and my fourth block, it's just me. In my second block, I have a paraprofessional that is with me full time because I have some SPED students in that class. And then I also have a full um, SPED teacher who comes in half of the time to help me in that class as well. But there is no one full time helping me juggle online and, in class for all the classes.
0: Got it. And just for those who are not aware, SPED is special education. So we are junior high. So we know junior high kids are in their tween slash early teens. Uh, they can be difficult sometimes. They're learning about themselves and the world. Have you had issues with students being not as responsible with their masks? And what do you do to kind of encourage them to keep their masks up?
1: Right. Because like you said, it's junior high and y- the are trying to figure out who they are. But at the same time, you still have some of that playful immaturity there that hasn't quite gotten out of their systems yet. So sometimes you'll see kids try to pull the mask down and try to talk to their friends. You'll see them try to like, you know, take any excuse to pull it down and, you know, do something. But I always try to bring it back to it's not so much about you have to do it because of you think about the people around you. You never know if the your friend sitting on the side of you has an 80-year-old grandparent living with them. You never know if your teacher has some kind of pre-existing condition that they're dealing with. So you just never know what's going on around you. So that kind of helps bring it back into perspective for them. Like, oh, it's not just me. It's those around me that I have to worry about too. And that's a lot for a middle schooler to think about too it's a lot to put on their shoulders and kind of remind them that they're responsible as for as well.
0: And do you think they're receptive of this?
1: I think for the most part they are. I think that there's still some who feel like maybe, and, and they might hear this from home or they just might think that to themselves, but they think that maybe we're going overboard or maybe that we're just being too cautious. But I always tell them, I feel like I'd rather be more cautious than not cautious enough mm-hmm. when you're dealing with life or death situations like a pandemic.
0: So I want to talk about some bright moments. What has been a high point for you or a highlight of your semester?
1: So this year, I've really made it a point to worry about my students' mental health just as much as their education. Because I can't teach them if they're not in the right mindset to receive what I'm teaching. So we do a warm-up every day in class. So we've tried to make it kind of like into this game show type of thing where like I'll spin a wheel on my computer and it'll land on a random student's name and they have to answer the question. And we've played it sometimes to where if they get three incorrect answers, they might have a quiz the next day. Or if they get six incorrect answers, they might have a quiz. So it kind of motivates them like, okay, we really need to do well on this because we don't want to take a graded assessment. So, and they get, they really get into it, especially when they start ticking down them strikes. Mm-hmm. And it like, lands on someone's name. Like they're all like, you got to get this right. You got to get this right. So it's really helped motivate them and it's really helped engage them. So I would say that's probably been my biggest highlight this year.
0: Gotcha. Sounds like an interesting game to play to keep them all like rooting for each other. Um, Cause we don't, you don't want to be that person who makes a class have a quiz the next day. Uh...
1: Right. And I always look at the assessment and I look at what they're doing. So that's why, like, if it's a really easy assessment, I'll say three strikes. If it's kind of something that's a little bit more in depth, I'll say like six or seven strikes just to make sure that we give them enough, you know, leeway there.
0: And then on the flip side of a bright moment, what's been like a low point for you this semester?
1: I would probably say not being able to give every single child the attention that they need when they need it. Because like we talked about, I feel like a lot of times I'd be pulled in 20 different directions between the kids in class, the kids at home, meetings and different things like that. So by the time I get home, I'm just completely and mentally exhausted. So I don't always have time to give each individual kid feedback, or I don't have time to mini conference with each individual kid. Like I may normally have been able to do if I were able to go sit by and by their desk, which I can't do anymore. So that I think has been the most lowest point for me is sometimes I feel like there's just not enough of me to go around.
0: I would argue that even during regular time with 20 students, there's probably not enough for you to go around. So I feel like you're probably doing more, uh, doing a lot, of doing so much more uh, than you think you are. In your opinion, what is something that could help you? What could make things easier for you uh, as a teacher?
1: I definitely would say if, I, if we had a little bit more of help with balancing the online versus in class I knew the idea was through around at the very beginning of the semester, like where maybe one teacher was in charge of like the online classes, whereas a couple of others would just do the in-class students. We thought maybe that would make it a little bit more streamlined and easier, but ultimately the decision wasn't ours. And then also integrating how can we get the kids that are in the class and the kids that are at home to be able to interact with one another because it sounds super easy on paper when you say oh you can use this website you can use this app but actually implementing it it's difficult
0: so basically be heard listen to the teachers and let the teachers input kind of direct where the solutions are going and students interacting with each other because yeah seventh grade like i'm trying to think what I was doing something like running around on a playground, which probably isn't a thing right now, and just interacting, and especially that that student in your first block, I think it was—that's the only one that's not in the classroom. Like, what is their emotional state that they can't—they're not interacting with their classmates? So I definitely see that that could be a benefit. Do you think you've been given the necessary resources to teach your class effectively?
1: I think our district has done the best that they can, especially being a very technology-heavy district. I think that they have provided us with the tools, as you say, like we have the computers, we have the apps, we have licenses to a lot of different software. I do feel that maybe we can't do sit down classes in PD like we normally do, but maybe just a little bit more training with some of those things would have been a little bit more helpful because it's easy to say like, hey, we have some license for this or hey, we have software you can use for this, but we don't have a whole lot of time to learn it before we can turn around and use it. Mm-hmm. So we could just have maybe a little bit more virtual PD and seeing what it looks like cuz it's very daunting when you say okay you can throw all of these kids into this virtual chat and they can communicate together using this well it's like I don't want to unleash 29 7th grade students into one app and I have no idea like how to use it. Yeah. So to see what it looks like from someone who's used it before that might be helpful.
0: Yeah kind of like having somebody from the company who builds software be an implementation specialist and like give you provide you guys training for software. Like I know when my organization switched to Zoom, like we all know the basics of Zoom, but like what are Zoom bombers and how do you keep people out of Zoom? And so having those type of trainings would definitely help you because I can't imagine listening 29 students in a chat box that are in seventh grade because Lord knows what they're talking about that we don't even know. So I definitely get that. What apps are you using? What are those technologies that are making things easier for you?
1: For every day, uh, we use Google Meet. Um, Our school district has like a license with Google where we use Google Classroom, Google Meets, GoGuardian, we use Google Docs, Google Slides, um, the Wheel of Names, that's the little app I use um, to call out randomly, Nearpod, Pear Deck. Those are kind of like old school PowerPoint. Nearpod and uh, Pear Deck allow you to add like interactive slides in there where you can question them and things like that. Those are the main ones that I use. I know that there's others out there like Ed Puzzle and things like that, but those are the ones I mainly use.
0: Gotcha. So you're basically like an ed tech specialist now.
1: Yeah, I'm about to to tack that onto my uh, license there.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so teachers, y'all are kind of working together, but like not in person. How are you guys creating? I mean, you're in the school together, but I imagine you're not like in close contact. How are you guys all staying connected and collaborative to help teach the students?
1: So in our rooms, like if it's just like the three of us in uh, the three English teachers, we can spread out in the room like I'll be by my desk. One will be on the other end of the room and then one will be on the end of this room. But if it's more, I would say than five, we have to meet virtually. So I'll be in my room. They'll be in their rooms and we'll hop on a Google meet and we can talk back and forth
0: through a meet Let's talk about the future. What are your hopes for next semester? You're still in person. Um, I imagine you'll still be in person next semester. What are your hopes?
1: So my hopes is now that, you know, the vaccine's coming out and that's starting to been rolling out, that hopefully we will start to see some semblance of normalcy at some point. For instance, last year when we all went home and we all went virtual, the kids missed like field day. They missed being able to go outside and, you know, have that day of just play. They missed their awards, like being able to go into a gym and having eighth grade awards. Graduations were different. So I hope that at least by May, they can have some of that normalcy back. Even if they still have to have a mask on, they can still get together and have fun.
0: You said the biggest challenge has been you and your husband like dealing with work and the COVID What What are some challenges that you guys have had to work through for this semester?
1: This semester and then back in March, we were both working home virtually. He works at a, a, a local plant, so he was on one computer in one room working, and then I'm in the living room trying to teach. And then on top of that, we have a seventy-pound German Shepherd who's going back and forth between both of us. So like it was a strain on like our internet, like our connections were going out. The barking, the having to get up and pause, and so it was just a lot of chaos for a little while until we were able to figure out our. Our groove and how to work work through those things
0: got you that a 70 pound german shepherd could i can imagine the loudness of those barks just like
1: i was teaching one day and she was barking and the kids started laughing at me and they started typing in the comments that they wanted to see my german shepherd so at the very end of class i called in my dog whose name's jess and I allowed them to kind of like see her and she's just a big baby and they they love it. So anytime we go virtual, that class in particular asks before they all sign off, they all ask to see her. So I make her come in the room and tell them bye.
0: <laughs> and so you mentioned you're exhausted uh, this semester. How are you feeling to be on break? Like how is this this two, I imagine two week break going? Well, Louisiana since I have longer breaks. How is this holiday break going for you?
1: This break has been very much needed. It has been a mental break, an emotional break physically as well. It just kind of helps you get back into that mindset of now I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go. Let's jump back into this and like let's keep going.
0: And speaking of mental health, Howard, what are you doing to support your mental health and keep yourself going?
1: I run a 5K three times a week. I do some strength training with weights. I read a lot. I love to read mystery books. I do um, amateur book reviews. My husband and I love to play video games together. We watch wrestling together every Wednesday. So we try to do a lot of family stuff
0: too. What has been the sentiment around COVID-19 in your community?
1: So it's kind of been split. You have those on one end who take it very seriously, take our mask mandate very seriously, the social distancing guidelines. But then, of course, you have some who say like, you know, masks aren't working and we need herd immunity. So we just need to all be together and have parties. And it's it's Louisiana. So we all we are very social. We love to get together. And I get that. But I always go back to our elderly and our immunocompromised. I don't want a bad decision on my part to cause the death of someone else. Mm -hmm. So I always just think, you know, you know, wearing a mask may not be the the thing everybody wants to do, but if it helps save someone's life, I'll do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, even if it inconveniences me, I don't mind being inconvenienced if it saves a life.
0: Yeah, I think that's the mindset of a lot of people. and. Just thinking about, so you're in your seventh year of teaching. You were there in March, April, May when things just got shot virtual. And then we also had a lot of situations of uh, social justice. So you had a lot of Black Lives Matter protests. And then we had the election. At any point, have you had to have conversations with your students about the protests or about what's happening in the world um, today?
1: So at this stage, the kids in seventh grade, at least the ones I teach, they don't really bring it up in front of us. But anytime we've ever seen like anything happen on campus, like even if something like bullying, teasing, any kind of prejudice, anything like that, we always nip it in the bud right there. And we always just try to keep it to where like, we're all equal. We're all in this together. You know, we all have the same rights. So we always, always talk about that stuff. So that was kind of conversations we were having even before all of this was jump-started.
0: I think I'm actually run through all my questions that I've created, but I do have some Instagram submitted questions and another list of shorter questions I wanna ask you. So I'm just gonna go right to the Instagram questions. The first one is, are you okay?
1: Yes, I am okay. I'm doing well.
0: Good. Do you think the pandemic has widened the opportunity gap for your students?
1: Yes, I would say probably um, because especially when we were all virtual, the kids would be on virtual, right? Like they don't necessarily have to turn like, their cameras on for me to see them. So it shows up that they're in class, right? But they don't have some kids that will email me and say like, Ms. Trestler, I completely missed what you said because I was busy helping my three-year-old sibling, like making them lunch or, you know. Helping them with schoolwork, so I feel I feel like those who have to take a role as a like a caregiver when their parents aren't home, it definitely has widened that gap. That okay, now I need to make a mental note that I have to help this kid a little bit more because they have other responsibilities that other kids don't have.
0: So it's kind of like being in school actually really helps for those particular students because they need that distance from home life. Absolutely. How can individual people help? Say myself or Sandra down the street, how can they help education?
1: Honestly, just by giving educators and students and administrators positive support, you would not believe the amount of people that are so critical of us, especially on social media. Like everybody has an opinion on how things should be run. And I get that. But you voicing the fact that you feel like we're not doing enough or you feel like things should be run a certain way when you just have no idea what goes on behind the scenes and that we are trying to do the best that we can, but we have a lot of limitations. So that can be kind of discouraging sometimes to see all that not niceness that we get in here.
0: Yeah. I think it was to me, very amazing to see March, April, May, like teachers are amazing. They're doing so much to like, okay, get back in the classroom. What are you doing? And I was like, what, what happened in those three months where people just had summer break and like came back and like, yeah, our our teachers aren't doing enough. Like,
1: right
0: COVID didn't go away. It actually got a lot worse when August came. So yeah, that has always been kind of like the influence of why I really want to give you guys a chance to speak because I was like, I just feel like their stories need to come from them, not from me, somebody who's like not in the classroom. And I would
1: say probably the comment that hurts a little bit the most is when parents complain, like they have to go to work. So they need to have their kid in school to be able to work. And I 100% understand that. I 100% understand that, you, that people need to work and provide for their families. But on the flip side, educators' lives matter as well. We have to take the same precautions as everybody else. And sometimes that means if it's not safe to go to school, we have to work from home. So just having that understanding that everybody's in the same predicament Mm-hmm. is helpful.
0: I mean, I would argue that you guys have to take more precaution because now you have to deal with, I not want to say deal with, you have to teach their kids. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, your kids are now receiving the input that you're giving them. And if you're not quarantining, you're out with your friends and they can bring that into school. I feel like you guys have to take a little more precaution than even they do. Absolutely. Has your school helped provide resources for anti-racism courses or curriculum?
1: I don't know the answer to that question specifically, because I feel like that might be geared more like in their social studies classes. We do have, well, I know we had in the past, we haven't been able to do that this year, but we used to have days where we would have small groups of students and we would talk about emotional issues. So it could have been like things that were happening in society at the time. Like we talk about their feelings. We talk about drugs. um, We talk about alcohol. We talk about like those mainstream issues. But we used to do that face to face. But because of all this, we have been able to do that this year. So I know that our um, our counselors have tried to do things more on a virtual platform. They've tried to take the load a little bit off of us and kind of gear it that way. But to say that I've implemented anything this year, not at this time. But I know it has been happening on different platforms from other people in the school.
0: And at any point, do you feel that your health was disregarded?
1: No, I feel like, especially with my administration, anytime I felt like I was going through something or that I was in a predicament where I felt unsafe, they completely understood. And we talked about ways that would be beneficial to me and then also beneficial to the kids. So I never felt like I was less than anything else.
0: And so those are all the Instagrams for me, the questions that apply to you since you are in person. Uh, But I have a few fun questions to get to. These can all be one word, a few word answers. Okay. What was your favorite subject in school?
1: English, by far.
0: Okay. Favorite dish to cook or eat?
1: Ooh, I'm an Italian girl. So anything, car- give me all the carbs, <laughs> all the spaghetti.
0: If you weren't a teacher, what would you be doing professionally?
1: That is a great question. Um, if I wasn't a teacher, I think I would work in a, in a zoo, honestly. I love animals. I love going to the zoo. I love seeing animals. I'd probably be like some type of zoologist or vet tech.
0: What is your favorite animal?
1: I love dogs, but I would say probably my favorite exotic animal is the cheetah. I love cheetah.
0: Best gift you've ever given or received?
1: Ooh, best gift. Um, my husband's given me some very sentimental pieces of jewelry. So I would say that those are my favorite gifts that I've received. Um, and I would say the best gift that I've given was the same to him, um, a sentimental uh piece of jewelry that I gave to him as well.
0: If you could only eat one vegetable for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: Brussels sprouts.
0: That is an interesting response. I have not had that one yet.
1: (laughs) We love cooking Brussels sprouts in so many different ways.
0: Okay, what's your favorite way to cook Brussels sprouts? Asking for myself.
1: Roasted in the oven with bacon and Parmesan cheese.
0: Okay, I will need to do that. (laughs) Is a potato a vegetable or no? Yes. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no?
1: Yes, Hawaiian pizza all day, every day.
0: Yes, thank you. Uh, what is the most extreme thing you've ever done?
1: <sighs> the most extreme thing I've ever done? Probably went on some risky hikes a couple of times. We, we love to go hiking. And there were some where we were looking at like, I don't know if we should walk on these rocks or I don't know if we should walk over these planks. And that was a little risky, but um, I tend to try to keep my feet on the ground. <laughs>
0: What is something you think you spend too much money on?
1: Clothes. I buy a lot of clothes.
0: (laughs) Are there any mantras you live by? And if so, what is your favorite?
1: I would say live life to the fullest every day. Every day that I wake up, I try to just do everything I want to do that day. And I try not to stop myself from doing anything because you never know if you're going to wake up to see the next day.
0: Touche. How would your best friends describe you in one word? Loyal. If you could recommend a book, podcast, TV series, or a movie, what would it be?
1: For book, I, I'm very much into mystery. So I would say any Agatha Christie novel, especially her Hercule Poirot series, definitely pick up one of those. Um, I, am a, <laughs> I am a reality TV junkie, so I am anything Real Housewives. That's my go-to. Um, movies? Christmas just passed, but one of my favorite movies is the How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey edition. Love, okay. love that movie. <laughs>
0: okay. What is your favorite movie?
1: Favorite movie? Hmm. Probably, this is this is so corny, but the Twilight Saga.
0: <laughs> I've never seen them, but I'll take your word for it.
1: I loved them in high school and I just never stopped loving them. But yeah, that's my favorite.
0: Got gotcha. you. What is the best vacation you've ever taken?
1: Probably our um, vacation that we just took um, a couple of weeks ago to Asheville to go hiking. That was extremely fun, just being in nature and not being around people, especially during these times. That was super, super nice.
0: What is important for those who do not know you personally to know about you?
1: Just to know that I try to treat everyone the way that I would want to be treated. I am super quiet when you first meet me, but um, as you start to get to know me, I warm up right away and you probably can't get me to stop talking. But I try to love everyone. I may not always like everyone, but I always try to remember that God loves us all. So we should always love others as well.
0: Good words to live by. And is there anything else you want to add to this interview before we conclude?
1: I just wanted to say, like, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of the teacher's lounge. I think it's a great thing what you're doing here and getting our voices out there and letting us be heard, um, especially in letting us clarify some of the things that people may not know that's going on behind the scenes or that we're actually doing to help kids during these times.
0: Is there anything else that you want to clear up from your side that you've been hearing that is a misconception?
1: No, I think we've pretty much covered um, a lot of the bases that I feel like, especially around our area, that were the biggest misconceptions. So I think we're good with that.
0: Okay. If people want to follow you on social media, is there a social media platform or name that they can follow you at?
1: Yes, I do have a Facebook. It's uh, Trina Tremani Trosclare. It's my first maiden and last name. And then on Instagram, I do have a, it's a, um. It's a bookstagram I use it for, and it's at Bookshelf Chronicles. If anybody's interested in following along with what I'm reading and any recommendations, they can always follow me on Insta.
0: Great. And so I want to end this interview by saying thank you again for everything you're doing as a teacher. Uh, Thank you for doing this interview to kind of dispel some misconceptions that have been put out in the world by who knows who. And talking to us about your experience during the pandemic, I think it's super important that you are able to tell your own story. You are a superhero as somebody who's helping our students continually grow and learn and become the people they will be uh, in the future. I mean, one thing I learned in my one year semi-in-a-classroom is that it's one of very few positions where you don't get to see the results of your work until later on. Um, so you're just like hoping the amount of greatness that you give to students pays off for them in the end and it sticks with them. So once again, thank you so much for what you're doing as a teacher in Louisiana, because I know how that can be. Um, and hope you have a great day and a great next semester and that all your hopes come true.
1: Thank you. And thank you again for having me. It has been a pleasure.
0: If you want to learn more about Project Teacher's Lounge or check out some exclusive content, head over to lunchtraymedia.com slash Lounge.